entering the Freedom Hut. The day after the D.C. march, media double standards on riots, a lethal shooting inside the Capitol, COVID vaccine slowdowns, and what is next for MAGA. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now. All of us are faced with two choices, both of which are lousy. One choice is vote against the objection. And tens of millions of Americans will see a vote against the objection as a statement that voter fraud doesn't matter, isn't real, and shouldn't be taken seriously. And a great many of us don't believe that. On the other hand, most, if not all of us, believe we should not set aside the results of an election just because our candidate may not have prevailed. And so I endeavored to look for door number three, a third option, and for that I looked to history, to the precedent of the 1876 election, the Hayes-Tilden election, where this Congress appointed an electoral commission to examine claims of voter fraud. Five House members, five senators, five Supreme Court justices examined the evidence and rendered a judgment. And what I would urge of this body is that we do the same, that we appoint an electoral commission to conduct a 10-day emergency audit, consider the evidence, and resolve the claims. For those on the Democratic aisle who says, say there is no evidence, they've been rejected, then you should rest in comfort if that's the case an electoral commission would reject those claims. But for those who respect the voters, simply telling the voters, go jump in a lake, the fact that you have deep concerns is of no moment to us, that jeopardizes, I believe, the legitimacy of this and subsequent elections. We can handle the truth. And ultimately, the truth is what this is all about. Getting to it, finding out what is real, what is not. What actually happened in this election, it is essential. Our entire system rests on the premise that we believe there is a good faith and there is a fairness in the operating procedures of this republic. Senator Ted Cruz there speaking well to that point. And yet, do we feel any better about it today than we did yesterday? No, of course, we feel most likely considerably worse. Why is that? Let's first start with why people were marching in D.C. yesterday. Let's start on that issue. Because it's many things. The media and the focus is on those who believe that this was a stolen election. And that is certainly a big part, perhaps a majority of all of the concern and anger out there on the streets. But what else was motivating this why do people feel the need to take time out of their lives in a very difficult year with a lot of stresses around us because of covid and everything else why would hundreds of thousands of people gather together in dc to make their voices heard we have been drifting as a nation toward a culture politically socially where there is no middle ground allowed there's no dissent allowed The rights of political minorities are increasingly trampled on. And there is an incredibly powerful system, one that even goes beyond what you've seen in some of the other authoritarian regimes of history, in that it is entirely uh, capable of leveraging 
information technology, the global marketplace, wealth on a scale that human beings have never seen to brainwash, to control, to determine. And it feels like a rigged game. Right? It feels as though what we do does not really change very much. And it feels as though we're not allowed to even raise that up anymore and talk about it publicly for fear of being ostracized by these social media companies that I know that we have to get used to this idea. Social media is not something that kids use now just to say hi to each other and communicate. Social media is a dominant force in the flow of information in this country and around the world. It is more powerful than the traditional media because it determines what traditional media you get to see. Wokeness. This is another way of describing political orthodoxy of the left. And wokeness is ever evolving because ultimately its true goal is not changing society so that everybody is equal. It's its true goal is just power. And then it will figure out what it decides to do with it. Because it doesn't even know what it wants. Why does it feel like there is an inherent schizophrenia in the Democrat left's woke ideology? Because there is. There are multiple personalities uh, at war with each other inside of the Democrat mind on this issue. Because you can never be sure that you're woke enough. It has to constantly evolve and seek out new targets. It's effectively a colonial project for the mind. Right. It is it is dominating your consciousness. That's what it seeks to do. And that it can entirely control you and then figure out how to create an entirely equal society. And what would that even look like? As we know, societies that put the greatest emphasis on achieving absolute equality achieve the exact opposite. And history speaks very clearly on that. So people are upset because of all of these things. And then also we have suffered through the single Worst year in terms of our individual freedoms, in terms of government overreach of my lifetime. But they use this idea that the government can protect you from covid to justify all of it. They use the notion that if you only listen, you'll be saving lives, you'll be protecting people. And if you're not willing to listen, if you want to dissent, you are putting people at risk. This was a recipe for absolute control. And they've edged closer and closer to that this year than I, than I thought would be possible, honestly, in, in my lifetime. And for what? Are we safer from COVID? With, think of all the government mandates and shutdowns and everything they've done. Does anyone look at what's happening right now in the country with hospitalizations and cases and think anything other than the virus is going to virus. It spreads. You do your best to stay healthy and stay away from it. But the government cannot protect you. A am I missing something? Right, wh where's the where's the example of great government success in this? You had Operation Warp Speed, which is a success. But the distribution of this vaccine is already a cluster. And then you look at all the lockdowns, the masking, all these policies they've instituted. And for what? Does it feel like the journalists who are supposed to be speaking truth to power, these media companies that have gotten, in many cases, especially the social media companies, wealthier, more influential during lockdown? Because we are now replacing human contact and living life with screens. 
We all live our life now. If you're working remotely, unless you're an essential and you have to actually go into your job, we're living our life just in front of these screens where you're being bombarded with information that's destructive often, that's false, that's vicious, and that has an agenda, and that's really almost all the time. And we're replacing those basic bonds of human contact that remind us all that we are in this together and we are all on borrowed time. And when we're talking about Americans, our fellow Americans, we're losing sight of the fact that we live in the greatest country in the history of the planet. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? And I'm sorry if it sounds a little hokey today. I'm sorry if it's, it's a little bit corny to some of you, but we right now are living in the greatest country in the greatest, wealthiest, happiest time in human history. And we are lucky to be here. And we need to preserve it. Yes, we need to fight for it. We need to understand what's so great about it. But what I see out there right now is this, this ideological cancer of destroy, destroy the dissenters, destroy those who believe in liberty in limitations on government destroy those who think the constitution is supposed to prevent all the great plans that the experts are conjuring up for us isn't this year of the lockdown isn't 2020 i know we're in 2021 now but i'm thinking about the last 12 months isn't it a repudiation of the elites and of government control it doesn't feel like they think that that's for sure we were very aware of that but anybody who's being honest about it would say we need a return to first principles here in this country. We need an understanding of what it is that we are seeking to create in our society every day. And for us to get there, we need to have a combination. We need to have a combination of of things all come together at once. Uh, we need a, a relentless, unapologetic search for the truth. We need the courage and bravery to stand for our principles. And we have to remember that at the end of the day, what we're all trying to do, all of us who are approaching this in good faith, with love and reverence for the history of this country, for this amazing nation, is to make this a better place for all of us, even the wackos, even the people of Antifa. I want a better America that they are fortunate to live in because our ideas prevail. And I know that can be a hard thing. You, you want to think about, about destroying your enemy sometimes. You want to think about defeating the other side. And we want to win at the ballot box. We want to win on the battlefield of ideas. But isn't it this beautiful thing about this country that victory achieved the right way means that it's a better country for all of us, even the leftists, even the losers, even the crazies. It's a better America that's more secure, more rule of law, more prosperity, more individual liberty. That is what that's why I show up every day. That's why we do this thing that we're doing here on this show. So I think a return to those first principles for all of us at this moment, when I know so many feel dejected, feel like they have been cast aside and feel like we, we had a momentum. We had a, a moment and it lasted for three years. The COVID year was something else. The COVID year through the whole project of making America great again into this different cycle. 
We were just all locked down and trying to stay alive, trying to do what we can to help our neighbors and, and prevent the government from shutting down more businesses and more churches than they already were. There's a lot of anger out there, and that's not going to go away. But we have to explore together honestly what is working for us, what can we do, and what does the future look like. The reasons for the march yesterday in D.C. were patriotic and decent, and I support them, and I'm with them. And we have to also know that we maintain principles, even in the face of the most vicious, underhanded, cheating, maniacal opposition. We cannot become that which we seek to defeat. And I don't think we're even close to it. And we're going to talk about the double standards and all this. We're going to discuss all that today on the show. But let's all let's all just take this moment to, to remember why it is that we do what we do and what makes us who we are as patriots, conservatives, Americans. What is it that is so special about all? You know, or, or else why not just go live in New Zealand? Why not just move to some other place? Right. No, we understand that there's something special about this. And we continue to fight for it and we'll do everything we can to preserve it. Win or lose, my friends, that is our mentality. We are warriors for the cause of our ideological battles, knowing that there is no guaranteed result, but that the fight is worth having anyway. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. And we will always be grateful to the men and women who stayed at their posts to defend this historic place. To those who wreaked havoc in our capital today, you did not win. Violence never wins. Freedom wins. And this is still the people's house. And as we reconvene in this chamber, the world will again witness the resilience and strength of our democracy. For even in the wake of unprecedented violence and vandalism at this Capitol, the elected representatives of the people of the United States have assembled again on the very same day to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Let me ask you, do you think that Vice President Pence is a good man? Do you think that he loves this country? Do you think that he knows as well as really anyone, with perhaps the exception of the president himself, how much is at stake here and how much could have been done for the good of the country had this election outcome been different? I think we have to appro- approach some of these some of these questions in, the, in a systematic way so we can all ground ourselves here at a moment of of particular disappointment and all, and all this frenzy of, of uh, you know, people that are now pointing fingers at each other and everything else. What's really happened here, my friends, is we've come to a recognition. And it's one that I've been trying to, to edge us toward here. And I, and I appreciate so much that all of you know that what I'm telling you, I think this thing is going to happen. It's not when I'm talking about the Biden-Harris presidency, which is happening. When I say that, it's not to antagonize. It's not because I like 
uh, taking some kind of a, a sour position or anything else. It's because we need to get ready for what's coming psychologically and emotionally. We need to be prepared for this because it's happening. And I've been saying it for weeks and there are a lot of people out there and I, I, I don't like to do this. Oh, you know, the other hosts and stuff, but there are a lot of people that are playing this game and they're pretending that there was some last minute secret that was going to save us from this. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I look at you, my, my fellow Americans, my friendly Patriots, Team Buck. I see all of you across the country, and I feel like I'm here with you waiting for this onslaught. I'm not going to promise you that the cavalry is going to come over the hill and we're not even going to have to take any losses, metaphorically speaking. I'm not going to make that promise because I don't believe it and because it's not true. Vice President Pence, I think you would agree with me, is a good man who has been very loyal to this president, very loyal to the MAGA agenda. And he is doing his best for America under the circumstances. And he has been put in a very difficult position. The people who are turning on Vice President Pence right now, I think, are forgetting that the actions up to this point of individuals should have already shown us what, you know, the totality of the actions of people like Mike Pence should show us that we've we've done what we can. It is possible. And I, I if I can, I, it's, it's almost painful to say this out loud. It is possible, friends, that we gave it everything we had. And we are fighting with everything we've got through all the mechanisms at our disposal. And we still lost. And whether it's lost through cheating or lost through uh, through legitimate uh, victory, even with some degree of cheating, which is assured, of course. I mean, so please don't you don't need to tell me, Buck, you don't think there was cheating. Of course there was cheating. I don't know how much cheating. I, I suspect it was substantial, but if you can't prove it, it doesn't matter. Uh, we are dealing with that sense of loss now. But with that loss also comes a recognition that we do have so much left to fight for and so much more ahead of us. And also see the way the other side is seizing upon this moment and understand that we're in for a whole new level of fight, my friends. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ronald Reagan once said, peace is not the absence of conflict. It is the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. The peaceful people in my state in Oklahoma want their questions answered, but they don't want this, what happened today. They want to do the right thing, and they also want to do it the right way. They want to honor the constitutional process, but they also want to have debate about election security because they want to make sure it's right, which is why it's an important issue that still needs to be resolved. Transparency in government just doesn't seem like a bad idea. Obviously, the commission that we have asked for is not going to happen at this point, and I understand that. And we're headed towards tonight, towards the certification of Joe Biden to be the president of the United States. And we will work together in this body to be able to set a peaceful example for the days ahead. That was GOP Senator James Lankford, who was addressing the Congress last night. Uh, on, on the floor of the of the Senate when he was saying there's not going to be some commission and this is it. This election's done. And that's where we are. And and I understand that that's so so disappointing to hear. 
And and for those who are and look, I you you are always uh, I always welcome the criticism from from people that I consider to be my side, my own team when it's in good faith. Right. So when people write in with all caps, lots of curse words and say terrible things about me, I'm like, well, what 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 is that accomplishing? Right. But anybody who has a, a valid or, or a, I shouldn't even say valid has a good faith criticism. I welcome it. And sometimes Sometimes people write into this show and I read and the first thing I think when I read their comments about something that I've said or about a direction we've gone editorially is they're right. That does happen. That does. I, I want to admit that to you. I know that there's a whole a kind of radio industry built around people who are never, never wrong. Right. I, I don't do that. Uh, so that does happen. So don't think that I read these things and don't realize hmm, that's a completely valid point or, or even more than that, that they're they're right and I'm wrong. So for those who are, who are t- telling me, and I think we have to have this. This is like a family discussion now. That's how I view this. I, I sit here talk, talking to all of you as I would if there had been some incident you know, with, with my, my cousins or something, and we're all sitting down at the table to have a, a discussion about what's gone on so we can move forward in the, in the most positive fashion. Because not only am I on your team, I want to be a leader on your team. I want to be somebody you can always count on, that you know is there for you. You can trust me. I tell you the truth. I, I stand on the principles we share, and I even will show some courage in public about difficult issues. But sometimes courage means telling people things that aren't necessarily going to appeal to them. And I think one of the one of the challenges that we've had in the Trump era on the right is that there has been very little space for that. There's really been and I'll just say it, there's really been almost no market for trying to criticize the Trump agenda from or rather from the Trump administration, not the agenda, the Trump administration from a perspective of how can we be more effective in achieving goals that this presidency set out for? How can we do a better job of getting these things? We we created a bit of a uh, a bit of a silo um, where all all of the public commentary went into this one place. And it was Trump is awesome and he's doing all these amazing things. And we weren't allowed to say Trump is awesome, comma, but I wish he would. Or Trump is doing a great job on this. But you sit here and you, and you say uh, one place. And for those of you who are wondering, what have you said about this, Buck? That would be uh, an example of this. Trump's picks for his advisors and for some of his White House personnel was was abominable. I mean, it was truly awful. And, I, and there was a lot of. Uh, a lot of, well, he can't trust anybody or, well, you know, he needs family members around him or all, all these things. You know, at some point you can kind of justify anything in this realm. Is it serving the president to do that? Is it serving the agenda? Is it serving all of us? Right? The president being in the office, I know he was entertaining and he, his tweets were amazing, but ultimately he was trying to achieve things for you and for me. Some of them he did, but some of them he didn't. Does anybody want to argue now that we have a big, beautiful wall from sea to sea to shining sea? We do not. And I know that there are all these reasons and there, but we would have been more effective in getting some of these things done if there had been more room to, to be able to say, I'm on the team, but, you know, this needs to be done differently. I'm sure many of you have played team sports and many of you have, you know, you've been on a football team or a, or a basketball or a lacrosse or whatever. And, you know, you all come together in the huddle. Is it is it a good thing to say, guys, we're down by we're down by a lot at halftime. But you know what? We're amazing. Let's do everything exactly the same way we're doing. 
I'm just going to say that there, there was a lot of that within the GOP. And you know that you know I'm telling you the truth. Every single one of you knows that I am telling you the truth right now. There was a lot of that. It was, well, hold on a second. Maybe maybe we need a, a, a greater focus on this. Or, you know, hold on. Maybe the the outreach to Kim Jong-un isn't, isn't a, a worthwhile expenditure of presidential time and resources. And, you know, and I'm not even saying that that was true or not. I'm just pointing out if you said that you were shouted down, if you if you said that. People thought that you were no longer on the team. And, you know, the Democrats legally outmaneuvered. And when I say legally, I don't mean that what they did was necessarily legal, but they understood that changing these processes for mail-in balloting in these states, they knew that that was going to give them an enormous advantage going into the election. And there needed to be legal challenges brought and put the mechanisms in place for accountability and integrity before the election. The RNC and, yes, the Trump campaign were asleep at the wheel on this. Again, I know it's not comforting. I am telling you the truth. I know it's not exciting and, you know, it doesn't make us all feel warm and fuzzy. This is what happened. And, and I think yesterday, in a lot of ways, I don't mean the incident even at Capitol Hill. I just mean the whole the takeaway from the day with the certification and everything else. And, and all the people gathering in D.C. was we now have to stare truth right in the face and handle it. We're there, friends. We're there. Uh, the Democrats won these two Senate seats. Democrats are going to be the next president and vice president, have, a, have the presidency for the next four years. The Democrats have control of the House. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are going to be the two most powerful elected legislative officials in the country. That's where we are. And now we can get a little bit into the tactics here. The decision making. Let's all understand this. Marching in D.C. I am I was so pleased that people were overwhelmingly marching. And I, this this whole thing about being a peaceful march, you know, Let's let's set a different standard, a law abiding march, because remember, if, if we're going to have marches that don't abide by the laws, first of all, we're hypocrites because of the. Do you know anybody that hammered BLM more than me in in June or in June of this year? I'll really ask you that a lot of Republicans are running scared, didn't want to be called. Oh, that's racist. Don't criticize BLM. Did I ever back down on that one? Was I ever saying, oh, you know, uh, you know, BLM, we should we should concede to this group and everything else. No. But. We have to establish what our principles are, and I, I know that sounds a little hall monitorish sometimes, right? Oh, another person, another person in the media that's telling us about how we have to have principles. Well, I, I try to conduct myself publicly, uh, you know, as as in a, in a way where I'm proud of what I do. And I'm, I can always look my family members and loved ones, the people that matter most to me in the eye, and, and feel like I'm, I'm proud and they're proud of me because of the way I conduct myself. So I don't do, you know, I don't say horrific things to people. I don't go after people in, in deeply vicious personal ways and all this stuff. I, I try to establish some boundaries. I try to work through, uh, through my day to day of doing a show, many, many hours of content, as you know, extemporaneous. It's all just flowing out of my brain every day. And I try to do it in a way that 
is advancing things and making I try to do things that make it better. You know, that's that's my approach. Now, let's talk. So why, why am I giving this preamble? Now, let's talk about what happened at Capitol Hill. Because I had a lot of people, you know, oh, I lost, uh, you know, Twitter followers yesterday. Uh, not all of them, obviously, but I like you know, probably thousands of them. And I had people that are writing to me saying, you know, what has the establishment done to get to me? OK, just put aside everything else for a second, but put, put aside that, you know, like so many others of my generation, instead of going to Wall Street, I, I joined the CIA so I could I could quite literally be involved in the hunt for Osama bin Laden. I mean, put, put aside that I, I, I actually try to put my money where my mouth is on, on different issues professionally and, and in my life. It's not about me. Let's just look at this tactically. We're having a we're having a hot wash here, friends. We're having a an after action report. What was the point of people going inside the Capitol yesterday, breaking the law, breaking windows and and engaging in that behavior? What was that for? for and I'm, I'm saying put put aside whether you think that th- this is called for or not for a second. And I have been very clear that I think that this was. I've called it a blunder. I called it a blunder on Tucker Carlson's show last night with four million people watching. But what was it going to accomplish? And I know ah, it, it, we, we kind of people look at me there. Oh, and some are some are going to turn off. Uh, they're going to turn off the radio right now. They turn off the podcast. Uh, I am your friend. We are in this together. And I'm speaking to you with respect and honesty because this audience, the, the, the greatest honor of my my life to date has been the people that listen to this show in the numbers that they do with the trust and the respect that they do now going on many years. And so I speak to you with that in mind. And those of you who have met me in public know I I light up. I love when anybody from Team Buck comes up to me and says, hey, are you Buck Sexton? I like your show or something. It makes every time it happens, it makes my day. Every time it happens, it makes me feel like what I'm doing here is worthwhile because invariably all, all the people that do listen to the show that I meet in real life and that reach out to me and that I talk to and everything, they're such good people. There's a, there's a fundamental decency and, and kindness, and they're just solid. They're just solid Americans. And so that's how I view everybody who listens to the show. And so that's why I also speak to you the same way as I said I would if there had been some incident within my own family. What was it going to accomplish to have the storming of Capitol Hill? It was going to do what? I mean, and, re- and, re- and for anybody who I know a lot of you agree with me, by the way, and a lot of you feel like I'm. But there there's there's a contingent out there of people who are going to be listening right now and their approach will be, oh, Buck has gone soft or, oh, I thought you supported this. And 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 I look, I'll, I'll take all that heat and that's fine. And, you know, you're, all of you are more than entitled to your opinions. Um, but I'm going to I'm speaking to those people now who disagree with me on this, but are at least open to hearing my my reasoning on it or at least open to hearing why it is that I'm taking the position that I do. What was it going to accomplish? So so let, I can take a step back. What does BLM and what do Antifa think they accomplish by doing what they do? So I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll put a hold on even answering the question. What is BLM and Antifa? What do they think they get out of burning down stores, looting, rioting? And yes, I know they over the Kavanaugh hearing, they you know flooded into the Hart Senate building. Uh, protesters, you know, went in there in huge numbers. And this this happens. They took over the Capitol building in uh, in Wisconsin years ago. Left wing protesters. I know about all that. Why do they do that? 
They do it to intimidate people. They do it so that everyday Americans are scared to oppose them. It is about fear. That is why they loot and burn down and destroy. And it's about exercising their own feelings of rage. And and it's about self. It's self-gratification and intimidation. That's why they do it. I'm just going to say it. That's not who we are. That's not who we are. And everyone can get mad at me and everything else. Uh, I, I would ask you this. Would, would any of you ever think if I was with you at a march that I would say or that I would even in my uh, on my own go run up and, and smash a window and punch a police officer in the face because I'm upset about politics? That's what was happening yesterday. OK, so we know why BLM, we know why these these groups do what they do and why it's wrong. What was the purpose yesterday of going? And I, I, it wasn't an insurrection. It wasn't a terrorist attack. I understand all of that, of course. And we'll talk about the media double standards. What was it going to accomplish? The sad part of it is, you know what it did? You, you know it because you know it didn't change. It's not going to change the election. It's not going to change anything except it emboldens our worst, most dishonorable opposition. It emboldens the left. And we are going to be paying a price for this now on the battlefield of ideas for some time. You know I'm telling you the truth. And you know that there is a lot of double standard out there about this. And yes, we should address that. And we will in a moment. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. The reason they could easily and casually, with their cameras on, film themselves throwing things through the walls of our Capitol, our property, going inside the Capitol, sitting in uh, Speaker Pelosi's office, casually take pictures of themselves, have that played on Fox News, they know that they are not in jeopardy. Because the cops are taking selfies with them, walking them down the steps to make sure they're not hurt, taking care with their bodies, not like they treated Freddie Gray's body. White Americans aren't afraid of the cops. White Americans are never afraid of the cops, even when they're committing insurrection, even when they're engaged in attempting to occupy our capital to steal the votes of people who look like me. Because in their minds, they own this country, they own that capital, they own the cops, the cops work for them, and people like me have no damn right to try to elect a president. Because we don't get to pick the president. They get to pick the president. They own the president. They own the White House. They own this country. Disgusting. I mean, you need to hear that, though. Disgusting. Did, did she not have access? She works in a news organization. Did she not have access to the Internet? A woman was killed among the people entering Capitol. Shot in the neck. And there's a video of it. And it's graphic. And I, I do not see the need for the use of lethal force under the circumstances. I don't see it. I've talked to I've talked to friends of mine in law enforcement. I'm saying, uh, you know, what is there some, you know, barricaded public official exception or something? I, I, I she wasn't an imminent threat to anybody. She was killed, shot in the neck through a door. But they still go with the, the preferred narrative about this. We, we have now we have to disassemble the lies of the left around what happened yesterday. 
Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. For me, the saddest moment was watching them attempt to take down the flag of the United States to put up a Trump sign. Think about that for a minute. I think this is a 9-11 level event in the sense that we are going to remember where we were, what we were doing when we turned on the television and watched the events yesterday. It is searing in my view. And I, for one, will never look at a MAGA hat again without thinking of this day. And if you are a decent American, put away your MAGA hat, put away your Trump flag. Remember what those symbols were used for on this day. Settle down there, buddy. It's not a 9-11 moment. 3,000 people died on 9-11. Good, good heavens. You know, this was uh, this was people making a, a bad decision to run on Capitol grounds and destroy property. And someone lost her. One person lost her life uh, as a result of, of what happened yesterday. And I'm I'm still waiting to, to hear what the justific. I've seen the video. The video to me does not look like a justified shooting at all. But I there. This was a particular circumstance. You know, if you were if you were barricaded in your home. And there was a mob outside coming through the door and the window. That's one thing. If you're in the halls of Congress, I, I'm, I'm open. I'm open to being told I'm wrong on this. From what I see, not a justified shooting. And and think about this: if that person could be shot, could, could you open fire on all the pro, on all the rioters? Would you open fire on all of them? Because the the standard would seem to still be in place that any person that's smashing windows and going through doors, you can just shoot them if you're. Capitol Hill police. So that that needs to be looked at much more uh, thoroughly than what we've we've seen so far in the public discourse around it. But this is where I tell you about the tactic, uh, the tactics part of all of this and the assessment that we have to do now of what what we. What was lost as a result of this uh, for the movement, they they are going to play this. Uh, they're going to exaggerate it and they're going to pretend that this is the only political violence we've seen in this country in four years. Is that enraging? Yes, it is. Is it a lie? It, it absolutely is. But as as we look at this, we also have to say, you know, t- take me back to the, the initial premise here. What was gained by any of this? Uh, the answer is uh, nothing. The answer is nothing. And I, I don't really understand the mentality why people uh, feel like it's we, we, we are not allowed to now say that we do we draw any lines. I, I just want to know what what would be for those for those out there who think that this was a in any way understandable. And, and there's this fine line between I, I understand all the anger, but I don't understand doing this. No, can't can't do it. And the left is now going to use this in everywhere. They're going to ram this down our throats for more authoritarianism. And and for what? Right. There was there was no gain from it. I know people get mad at me. I'm, I'm telling the truth. And I, this if someone wanted to debate me on this, I have to debate any person on this issue. because It's important that we get this right. We either have principles or we don't. 
Right? We either and people are going to tell me, oh, but we have to fight the way that they fight. Really? Do we, do we want? I mean, and let, let's then let's then take that a step further. Do we want a a right wing Antifa? Do we want a right wing group that goes around destroying stores, attacking people? The, the answer is, of course not. But if you are going to say that sometimes we just got to break into a building because there's there's no options left, or if you're going to tell me that, well, then where does that when does that uh, go away? When when are we able to do that? Um, and and I, I have to say now now we need to understand we need each other more than ever because the stuff that the left is going to be saying about this for a long time to come is <laughs> they're going to leverage this one a lot. I I would I wouldn't be surprised you know social media has already you know they've done this they have banned trump from twitter the president of the united states they have banned him from twitter they have banned him from instagram and they have banned him from facebook as of today and they're going to keep the bans in place until the transition of power happens that's right you have media companies now openly and actively saying they are suppressing the sitting president of the United States uh, until there's the transition of power. I mean, this this is where we are now. There's there's all this talk about invoking the 25th Amendment. And there's that, that's, by the way, a terrible I mean, a terrible idea, a terrible idea. All right. That there's no re, there's no need to do that. There's no reason to do that at this point. Um, we, we are heading toward a transition and an inauguration within two weeks. And I, I view it as people would, would just think that, you know, the fix was even more in. I mean, you, can't let the, you can't let Trump be president for two more weeks. So, uh, friends, I, I don't know. I, I, would, I would like to be pointed toward the, the, conservative, uh, the conservative media person out there for those of you, again, who, who are and I know some of you are so it's it's some of you are very frustrated that I'm telling you these things and have been for the last uh, last 24 hours. Well, really, I've been saying for weeks now that uh, this is where we're heading in terms of the Biden transition and Biden's going to be president. We've known this. And I, I think the president, the president saying that there is that, that there is election fraud is true. The president saying that we have unanswered questions about the election fraud is completely fair and proper. Um, but taking it to this point now where there is a belief that the the election that we don't we no longer have to respect the results of the system as they stand. Well, now we're talking about rejection of the system wholesale. And let's all be very clear about that. And if that's where you want to go, you're heading down a very dark and very dangerous path. And that's not what we want. Um, that's not what we should have in our in our country. Um, yes, BLM and Antifa are treated entirely differently by the press. Yes, they burn things down, and the journalists go outside and they say, "Oh, it's a mostly pe- it's a mostly peaceful protest." Oh, and they're ducking while their Molotov cocktails are flying past their heads. The left gets away with political violence. It's not fair it's wrong but the way we win is by convincing and showing enough of our fellow americans 
that this is disgusting, it's disgraceful, and it is entirely coddled, if not supported, by the Democrat Party. And this makes it all much harder to do that, which is why I, I don't, I mean, I don't approve of it morally, I don't approve of it tactically. And, and for people who are going to tell me, oh, but Buck, look what they're willing to do. I, I mean, I've, I wanted, there's a special counsel for Russia collusion that Attorney General Barr has, uh, has already put in place. I wanted a special counsel for Hunter Biden. I want us to do what they did within the confines of the law. That's where we, you know, we have to draw a line and we have to all be united in that one. And is it is it hypocritical? Is it a a degree of madness for people who were cheering on the left as they did their maniacal, you know, destruction campaigns? Is is of it's disgusting. I absolutely hate it. I think they're cowards. I think they're frauds. But one thing that I will tell you, and this is and at the end of the day, I actually spoke to my I spoke to my family about this last night. Just to let them know it is because I respect this audience so much and because I respect what I do that I will tell you the truth. And that's what I think I'm I'm, I think I do it every day. But today that involves saying things that are going to make some of you. Um, upset with me you're going to make some of you unfollow me and uh, and maybe you know you'll take a break from listening to the show I, I can't change that I won't lie to you and I hope I hope you appreciate where that comes from um, and that doesn't mean I'm always right you if you think I'm wrong fine if you think that I don't understand the full scale of what's going on here and the way this system is uh, that's you're, you're completely entitled to that opinion but I would hope that that those of you who and I, and I don't know, I don't know who who agrees with drawing a line and and the unhelpful nature of yesterday. What percentage of, of folks listening across the country agree with me? I, I mean, I would guess it's maybe 50, 50, 60, 40. I, I don't know. That's that would be my estimate. And we'll never have an answer for that. But that's just so you know where my head is on this. But for those who think that um, it's wrong to criticize the illegal and, and that's a completely separate thing than the hundred 50,000 or whatever it was, people marching through the streets protesting. Those are my brothers and sisters. Those are my people. They listen to this show. They support me. They're the reason I have a job. So I got nothing but love and respect for them. But I, I tell people, even the people closest to me, when I think that they've made a mistake. And I owe that to all of you. And I said to my family last night, and they, God bless them, they backed me up. I said, guys, I've, I've got to be principal. I've got to be true to myself, to this work, to the audience, to be principled at this point. And, and that means uh, staring, staring into what what is happening now and telling them what I what I see happening. I don't think that you would find a radio host who has seen more things, uh, more trends, big trends coming in in recent months than I have, particularly when you look at lockdowns and masks and all these things. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I actually went on Michael Malice's show, who is quite an interesting, quite an interesting guy. I went on a show maybe almost exactly 12 months ago now, and I said that Democrats would refuse to certify the election. That was my prediction on his show. And here we are with a lot of Republicans who don't want to certify the election. So I saw something. I just didn't see which side it would be coming from. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Joe Biden, I've traveled the world with Joe. I hoped he lost. I prayed he would lose. He won. 
He's the legitimate president of the United States. I cannot convince people, certain groups, by my words, but I will tell you by my actions, that maybe I, among any, above all others in this body, need to say this. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are lawfully elected and will become the president and the vice president of the United States on January the 20th. Is Lindsey going to get to the bottom of Russiagate? I'm just wondering. Doesn't does Lindsey Graham have a have a Fox News appearance any minute now? Where he's going to you know he's going to get to the bottom of it. Oh, he's going to get to the bottom of it. Sure, he is. Any any moment now, Lindsey. Lindsey. Lindsey talks uh, talks a, a big game. But I'm going to say this right now: what he's telling you is uh, is true. I mean, does anyone want to does anyone want to take a bet at this point that Joe Biden will not be inaugurated the next president of the United States? No, we all know what's happening, and. We've been talking about it for for quite a while here. Uh, Lindsey Graham and some other Republicans are going to take a lot of heat for this. There's no question about that. I want to try to tell everybody right now to, to the greatest degree I can. You know what, my friends, it's it's disappointing and it's I'm, I'm as I tweeted, by the way, this is one of those moments. I tweeted uh, a couple of days ago, strap in, everybody. It's going to be a rough week. <laughs> I didn't know how rough. I didn't know how rough it was going to be. Um, I didn't know how this was going to end, how this was going to end up. But sure enough, I had a feeling. And and I give credit to my dad, too. He just said, son, I've, I've got a sense that something really bad's going to happen before the inauguration. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you this. He doesn't think it's over yet either. He, he just he just just a gut feeling. He just got a gut feeling. And he was right. But he may be even more right. Who knows? Um, but it's. I suppose are we at the point where I can also say to everybody, you know, we're we're gonna fight through this. That's who we are. Well, what, what's the alternative? We're gonna we're gonna tuck tail and run. Oh no, the system the system's always but we're conservatives. The system has always been against us. Right? It's not easy. And those of you who are who are Christians, you look at the Bible. Did Jesus say it was gonna be an easy thing to follow him? No. This is not supposed to be easy. Who told anybody on the right that this was going to be fun and we're going to just, it's all going to be straightforward and we're going to get our way and it's not happening. These are the times that try men's souls. This is when we have to find what we're really made of and stand up and say, all right, it didn't go the way that we had hoped. It is a gut punch. But like actually getting punched in the gut, are we going to let the bully get away with it and just and just wallow on the ground? Or are we going to stand up and say, OK, you got me on that one. Let's see what we got next. Let's see what we've got next. And we're all making that psychological shift now. I know there was a part. Of, I was hoping it was going to be like Rocky five. I was hoping it would be, you know, the Russian is cut. And then after the election and we would have found a substance. All we needed was one provable fraud of substantial votes that's intentional and 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 with a whole house of cards would have fallen and i i do i think it was there yeah i think but guys we didn't get it we didn't get it i was talking to the people that were involved in trying to get it i was having them on the show and i was talking to them offline and what you know is there anything i can do to help i mean i was going doing everything i could you know, I, I was the person who convinced uh, Sean Parnell 
that he's got to take well, he's got to take his internal data and go public with it about what had happened in Pennsylvania. And that became Pennsylvania was a state where I think some of the shadiest stuff happened. But Joe Biden has been certified as the president of the United States, and now we have to start thinking about what comes next. We have to take action on things like how do we begin to level the playing field here? And it's going to take a long, that's a long-term project. How do we level the playing field with uh, platforms and media? How do we level the playing field with corporate America's culture that favors the left and wokeness and diversity and inclusion worship? How do we do that? This is now our, our project. Um, because I, I can tell you this much, the people that are that are taking the approach of it's all over. What's the point? Uh, is that is that the lesson that we get from our, our history as a country? Yeah. Do you, do you think that uh, uh, Washington and yeah, that's right. I'm going to start invoking the founding fathers. You think that Washington and all those guys were like, you know what? The British have got a lot more resources and they're more powerful than us. And so we're just going to we're going to give in. Of course not. It's not who we are. It's not what we're going to do. I think we have a I think we have a very um, we have a very well, actually, no. Do we have a bright future as a country? I hope so. <laughs> I'm not going to again. I cannot tell a lie. I, I hope we have a bright future as a country. But I do know that the more we can all see what matters to us as conservatives what matters to us as people that supported uh, the trump movement and now understand that we have to create a, a conservative populism that continues on we have we have to build what is it that resonated so much yes it was fighting the media yes it was talking about the truth about illegal immigration yes it was trade and china well those are all still very much live issues and we we are very, very close. And and, and, I, and I really believe this. We're, we're very close to a, a sea change in American perceptions about the elites and the roles of major corporations in our society. And I, I think we'll get to a consensus point where we can actually do something about them finally. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of important fights to have, you know, Dr. Fauci is still out there. And this guy and I, we we have a, a very serious longstanding now disagreement over how much destruction should be done to the United States because of his catastrophic uh, lockdown policies. Wasn't, wasn't it kind of amazing that yesterday we, we didn't even have uh, really any, and there was no media focus on coronavirus. The first time I think since the pandemic began where there was a day where it was okay. We don't have to really think as much about, about coronavirus. Uh, one place where you're going to see a whole lot of, uh, rewriting of history and propagandizing is around the incoming Biden administration's handling of COVID. Because here's here's the the big secret that's not a secret at all, but they're going to pretend they don't have some better plan. It never existed. There there is no better Biden plan for tackling COVID. In fact, the primary criticisms that I have 
of the president's handling of, of Trump's handling of covid up to this point has been listening to Fauci too much. And this is going to continue on into the future uh, the same way that we, we've, we've reached a politics now where there's no trust on the other side. And then there's also no willingness to say maybe you guys were actually right about something. Uh, that's that's a generally true statement now in American politics where you never want to concede anything to the other side because why they're the other side and why make that concession? Uh, you're certainly seeing that now. With and you'll continue to see it with the uh, the latest on covid-19, but but here's Fauci uh, saying uh, this is on the Daily Wire. The U.S. won't return to a strong semblance of normality until the fall. Now, here's what I see. Now, wait, wait, before I get into what's going to happen, let me just also say uh, we we were supposed to get 20 million people vaccinated by the end of 2020. They got about 5 million people. We're running at about 25 percent of what we thought, which is a disgrace. Let's let's just have real talk now. Let's have an honest talk about this. We we can't figure this out better. We we can't get 50 percent. Our capacity done. And this is because the micromanaging at the state and local level of the vaccination process is a disaster, an absolute disaster. And when you have doctors who have to throw out vaccine in the trash uh, because they're not allowed and now they're threatened, they're threatened with fines. They're threatened with um, being punished if they get the vaccine into someone's arm. We have a government that has set this up in a way, and this I'm talking about New York State, but it's true in other states as well, where it's better to throw vaccine in the trash under the rules than to just give it to someone who wants it. And you know what they really should just do? They should just uh, they should just set this up where it, they should get it to private practice providers. They should get it into the Dwayne Reeds and the and the CVSs and the Walmarts and everything or Walgreens, whatever. And they say, all right, everybody, you know, we're we're going to have a we're going to have priority line for seniors and we're going to have a line for non seniors. And we get through all the seniors first. And obviously, you'd have to distance them out and make sure this was safe. But we get through all the seniors first. And then if we got we got more vaccine than we haven't used, we're going to give it to whoever's in line. And I know that's that seems like sloppy and haphazard and all, but. Well, what they're doing right now is we, we, we have, you know, five seniors, but we had to have 10, 10 vials of vaccine because I think they're coming in 10 packs mostly thought out. And so we're going to throw half of it away, throw it away. They're throwing vaccine away. Think about in D.C., they had to establish a rule that if you don't have anyone to give it to who's in this is the D.C. government I'm talking about, the local government. If you don't have anybody to give it to, but you have vaccine, and it's going to go bad. You can just give it to somebody. Remember that this is all about the, the herd immunity, the public, the, the collective benefit of herd immunity for everybody. And, you know, it's just amazing. Fauci, uh, Fauci just keeps moving the goalposts all the time. And and he, he doesn't know what the heck he's talking about because he's saying we need to get 90 percent of people vaccinated. What percentage of Americans have already had this virus and therefore have immunity to it? I don't know the no one knows the actual answer, but I think you'd have to say a, a fair guess would be something in the neighborhood of. 10 to 20 percent, maybe, I don't know, maybe 30 percent of the country has actually had this and doesn't even really know it. Um, 
you know, there, there's a, a huge number of cases that are that are determined. But remember, they, they say that asymptomatic spread is a very large component of it. And a lot of people don't even realize that they have any symptoms at all. But Fauci saying, quote, I believe if we do. Uh, sorry, here we go. If we diligently vaccine uh, vaccinate people in April, May, June, July, we'll gradually and noticeably get a degree of protection approaching herd immunity which I believe, first of all, no one really knows what absolute herd immunity is for coronavirus. We know what it is for measles because we have decades of experience with measles. So I would say it's somewhere between 70 percent and 85 percent, Fauci says. I believe that if we do the kind of vaccines through April, May, June, July, by the time we get to early fall, we'll have enough good herd immunity to be able to get back to some strong semblance of normality. Schools, theaters, sports events, restaurants. I believe if we do it correctly, we'll be there by early fall. Uh and we're supposed to be happy about this. We're supposed to think that that's some kind of I mean, of course, we'd be happy with the reopening, but we're supposed to think the process is being well managed here. It's going to take we've had we will have had a vaccine for nine months at that point. And that's when we're supposed to start getting back to normal. I'm going to tell you this right now, too. You're going to have like masked dead enders who long after We've reached the, you know, hurt. I mean, there's still there's still going to be people, oh, wear, wear a mask, wear a mask. They've been so traumatized about this stuff. Brainwashed, traumatized. That's like the, the person who was on the train. Uh, we played that for earlier in the week when it felt like we were in a very different news cycle. The person on the train who was, I have 70,000 Twitter followers. And she's, you know, taking photos of people and mask shaming them. 70,000 Twitter followers. She didn't really sound like that, but that's just kind of my general old lady voice. Uh, Bruce and Mark, do you know any old ladies who sound like that? Yeah, jo- Joy Behar. Joy Behar. No, Joy is like more gravelly. It's more It's more like this. Joy's got a little bit, you know, she's got a little bit of like, like down here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. So she's kind of got this thing, you know, she's, oh, I'm Joy. I talk like this all the time. So. She's she's been very mean to uh, Megan McCain on The View recently. Very snippy with her. I don't know what that's all about. I can't imagine doing that. Show. That show to me would just as a as a even a right of center person, not even a particularly conservative as a right of center person. Uh, it just feels like it would be a, a mule kick. Oh, you know, I'd watch with day. popcorn. If they brought you on as a guest, I would watch with popcorn. Yeah, it would It'd probably be be pretty pretty decent tv because they would all you know i would try to be polite to the ladies at first but then be like you know you why why aren't you why aren't you would say that trump is basically hitler why isn't trump hitler (laughs) wow that's really (laughs) really that's actually her buck that's actually her wow quack quack stop it yeah she's uh she's quite a quite a commentator you know get get your politics from the unfunny comedian that's that's the way a lot of people a lot of people like to do it so we're we're working on it folks and then there's fauci the fauci's down here you know the mitigation efforts and you know however if you do it all correct you know you mitigate you do this thing you do that thing you know yeah yeah so so we'll, we'll see producer mark we need some happy time talk man what what are you most what are you most excited about going forward? Uh, well, right now, the Mets are in the midst of making a blockbuster trade, so that's what's on my docket at the moment. Woohoo! Now, tell, tell us some happy things, my man. What, what's the blockbuster trade? Uh, the Mets are acquiring Francisco Lindor, who is uh, one of the top shortstops in baseball from Cleveland. Ah, 
I've never even heard of this guy. I know you haven't, but for me, Buck, just know it's great news for me, and we needed great news. I know not we everyone did. listening is a Mets fan, but I needed great news. It lifted my spirits. Well, what is the 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 truest rivalry? I mean, because the, the Yankees are in a different division, right? So who are the Mets' biggest rival that they actually are in the division with? Um, Probably the Phillies off the top. Phillies and Braves would be the two. Yeah. Uh, are the Braves changing their name? No. The, Cleveland, so the Braves are staying, but the Cleveland Indians have changed their name. Not officially, just, but yes, they will. Right, they're just Cleveland now, right? <laughs> like they're just the Clevelands or something. I think technically they're the, still the Indians for this season, but after this season they will change it. Mm, okay. Yeah. See, sports will be coming back. We need this stuff, folks. I mean, I, I Mark, I really believe this. I, I think that it has been really hard on people because you need these things that you can discuss that just establishes that sort of uh, chit chat and banter among human beings in day to day contact is actually a really good, healthy thing. You know? yeah. It's like it's nice to be able to say, hey, you see the game last night. I know, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but you're relating to people and it gives you commonality. This is, you know, I, I have friends and family that we talk about books when I see them. I have friends where we talk about food or cooking or we talk about, you know, Talk about the gym with people if I'm trying to, you know, get back into shape, which I still am and failing so far, but I'm trying. Uh, you know, we have these sorts of discussions. I think it's I think it's important. Do you, do you agree with everybody in your family on sports? Are they all on the same team with you? Oh, no. My father's a Yankee fan. Oh, my God. So he, he hates that I'm a Mets fan. Producer Mark, this is kind of like if Sigmund Freud was sitting down, he would say, I think we've established an issue here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you have a very different team you support from your dad. Tell yes. me more about your father. That's my Sigmund Freud. Okay, it's very good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree you. with him on all the other teams, though, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, that's good. So, like, you're a Giants fan, obviously. I'm not, a Giants not fan. A I'm a Ra- uh, Hockey's my second fa- or my first favorite sport, really, so I'm a Ranger fan. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that I, I think that everyone's right now just looking for you know, we all we all kind of want to break. We all want to have a little bit of a of a feeling of of you know optimism and and just find we are, we're all trying to find our happy place. Reminds me always of happy the happy Gilmore thing where he's walking around with the pitchers of beer and the lady in the lingerie and you know the whole thing. You you remember that movie obviously, right? Of course. Yeah, well, the happy place. You know, uh, we're all, we're all trying to find a happy place to go to where we can just sort of say we're riding we're riding this thing out because. You know, the wintertime, unless you're in Florida, and I know I, I've basically been doing a free Florida Department of, you know, Commerce or Visitors Center or whatever thing here. But unless you're in Florida right now or maybe a handful of other states, it's uh, it's just a long, a long, cold winter. And uh, I know I know people are having a tough time with it. So, we'll, you know, what, Mark, it'd probably be a good time to start doing some history shows. Yes. I think I think we could do some of that. Maybe, you know, do, should we drop? Let's drop a Malta show this week. What do you think? This week? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we have to talk off air about that. But yeah, sure. Sometime okay. in the next week. All right. Okay. Maybe next week. We've got yeah. one. And I can we can do that. I can record the second one this weekend. I'll have some time. I just don't want to release one for the listeners. And then you take three months to record the second one. That's a fair. So you yeah. want me to get two in the can, which is the yes. whole Malta series. And then we release one. Then the other. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like some some history. We, we could all we all need those those little. uh mental mental breaks right now man it's it's been it's been tough you know it's a, it's one of those periods where it's time for a lot of people to take up you know watercolor painting or uh, you know something like that are you is producer mark an artiste at all no but my wife really loves that stuff 
Like one of the gifts I got her was an adult coloring book for Hanukkah this year. Snow Princess loves coloring. Yeah. That's so interesting. Which sounds she, so like weird, but like it's a thing adults do is like a stress reliever, just a mindless activity. No, you 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 need that. I, I've been saying that you know video games for me, and for I'm sure a lot of people listening, given just the political climate and the COVID and everything else, I don't know what it is, and you know maybe this is a bad side for me. Video game, it's like my brain turns into mush, and I'm just like it's just it relaxes the whole. It's almost like I'm carrying a backpack all day that's full of bricks. And I sit down and I throw on something on the PS4 and it's just like the, I put the bag down, you know, brain just goes off into this deep sleep state kind of. Yeah, that's me with video games. And when I watch sports, it's just a, a fun thing for me to do. Yeah, absolutely. I may actually go to a, 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 a small and socially distance, of course, Bill's Bill's watch party this weekend. That's I, that wow. was raised as a possibility. Are the Bill's so. going to be your team now because they're actually really good. Um, mate, can I jump on the Bills bandwagon? What do yeah, you think? I mean, you're dating room? someone from Buffalo. Yeah, I'm dating so someone not? from Buffalo, and I feel like Buffaloians or Buffalonians. I think that's how we say. It. I feel like Buffalonians are very, very friendly people. They are. So, yeah, it's so like a they're they're New Yorkers, but they're Midwesterners at heart. Is kind of the way that it feels to me. You know, they have a very different vibe. So, good things, good things, everybody. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Each of these people should be shamed for what they have done today. We should look at their faces, and if I was standing on that street, look at them. They're high-fiving each other for this deplorable display of, of, of completely unpatriotic, completely against law and order, completely unconstitutional behavior. It's stunning, and they're going to go back, you know, to the Olive Garden and to their the Holiday Inn that they're staying at and the Garden Marriott, and they're going to have some drinks, and they're going to talk about the great day that they had in Washington, and they really did something and stand up for something. What a jerk. I mean, <laughs> I, just, I meant to play this before. Can you, can you feel all the, all the seething contempt from this? I mean, Anderson Cooper is an elitist snob. He is. I, mean, this is a, I know this is minor in the grand scheme of things this week, but they'll go back to the Olive Garden and then the Holiday Inn Express. You know, he's basically saying a bunch of poor people from flyover states, or not poor, but, you know, working class people from flyover states, and just sneering at them for that. Oh, the Olive Garden. With the peasants, Anderson? Is that what? Hey, oh, good heavens. You know, the, yeah, that, that's right. That's right, Cooper. They don't have private chefs. They, they don't come from the Vanderbilt family. They're just people who do their best and are, are working to make a living. And yeah, some of them, some of them made a, made a, made a bad move yesterday, but most of the people that were in DC, a vast majority of them were just being good people and doing their thing. So and being completely law abiding, but I, I think it's, you catch this sometimes. Uh, the journalists out there who represent, you know, elite consensus opinion, they, they are pompous, uh, uh, you know, jerks they really and there are other words i want to use but i can't because it's a family show um they're they're elitist they're snobs and they actually do think they are better and get there's going to be a lot more of this they actually think they're better as people than anybody who voted for trump and i don't mean because of the trump voting culturally uh you know intellectually they they think that they're above them but i just think it's so funny i mean what what's wrong what's wrong with the olive garden like well why why is anderson got to take a shot at the Olive Garden, that that 
Producer Mark, Olive Garden's got some good food. Buck, come on. You're a New Yorker, really? I mean, I've the eaten Olive there. Garden? Yeah. I've eaten there. Why? Because I like it. I mean, I've eaten there, but never in New York. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Where do we go from here? Where does MAGA, where does conservatism, where does the movement go, given the uh, challenges that we face here and what has gone on? Uh, We want to bring in my friend David Reboy, very sound mind on these issues. He's a conservative commentator, national security analyst. And uh, if you follow him on Twitter, you know he's got a very insightful commentary on these issues. David, thanks for joining again. Glad to be here. All right, man. I'll, I'll, let me just pose this to you, because right, we, we need a, a really open among the movement, among our people, so to speak. We need to have a really open conversation. What now? Right. I mean, there, there, there are a couple things. Um, I mean, the last the last couple months have really been infuriating to me because as we see, as time goes on, I mean, we, we saw that, you know, that. President Trump sort of um, accepted the peaceful transfer of power, and basically he 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 uh, he brought down the curtain on um, on on uh, on on his his uh, his presidency. Um, today, um, he started talking about his first term last yesterday in his speech in past tense for the first time, um, which I think. You know the, the situation that he had uh, that he had put himself in, and that really that others had pushed him in into this corner, which is that uh, there was really since the end of November no legitimate path um, to to him securing securing a second term. That was the truth. That's what you know. Look, looking at the facts, I didn't want that. I wanted him to. Uh, I wanted him to succeed. I thought there was plenty of fraud. Um, but by the end of November, I th- it was pretty clear to me and to many others that this just was not going to happen. And for one reason or another, um, he and a lot of his supporters um, were pushed into a corner into not accepting it to the very last minute. And I think that was that was kind of tremendously bad because what it did was it crowded out any legitimate analysis um, of what he could do, and it, it created this whole kind of weird world of QAnon and 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 uh, and uh, Lynn Wood and 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 Sidney Powell and all this um, all this nonsense. People waiting for Krakens and and all kinds of things that would sh- sort of show up Deus Ex Machina and uh, and and save the day. And there was always going to be a big letdown, and it was going to be a big letdown. Um, that big letdown, as I said on Twitter yesterday, was inexcusable because you're doing this to your own people. You're supposed to push your enemy into the corner. You're not supposed to push your own people into the corner. You're supposed to at least give them um, a path that has some chance of success. And um, and you know, for one reason or another, he didn't do that, and his uh, many of his sort of marquee supporters didn't do that. So the rubber met the road yesterday, and uh, and. Um, you know, and it was ugly. And really, he walked into a trap that was set for him by the left and by the mainstream media. 
and sort of with, with predictable results. And it breaks my heart because I fear that it's going to tarnish four years of an incredibly successful presidency. And, and, um, and now it's going to be used to justify all kinds of insane crackdowns on, uh, on our free speech, which is something that the left uh, has been planning anyway, but now they have the perfect... Right, insight. they're going to say, and you're, you're touching on something very important, David, they're now, and you've already seen this from the, the social media companies, and you know people will be listening to this on radio, and I know not everyone, and, and particularly folks of a certain... Uh, you know, a certain you know age, or sometimes a little less likely to really be very active on social media. But uh, those companies are enormously influential and powerful. I mean, they blow uh, the the influence in, of of our media and political conversations from places like you know ABC News even out of the water. It's not even close. And they're actively suppressing conservatives, and they're coming up with ever more aggressive justifications for it. They're going to start. You're going to see that that they're going to try to say that MAGA is a hate symbol. I mean, just just give this time. That's sure. where we're heading. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ab- absolutely. And you know, and but for four years, for one reason or another, um, we were unable to say that. Hey, you know, President Trump made a mistake here. He needs to course correct. Anyone who said something like that was deemed a traitor, and you know, a rhino, a deep state. Uh, uh, you know, on and on, swamp creature, the whole thing. And, um, and, and you know, you would see it on Twitter that, you know, immediately people would, would defend him. So, for example, he gets uh, banned from Twitter and from Facebook today. It was completely predictable. For four years, some of us were telling him this was exactly what would happen. I know. I wrote a memo. Uh, many other people did, too. We were screaming from the rafters. You know, at some point, he could have said, you know what, I'm going to join Parler. I'm going to call up my friend Dan Bongino, and I'm going to say, hey, I want to do this. Make sure to make sure to triple your servers because I'm going to go and I'm going to, sh- I'm going to make a shot across Twitter's bow to say I can leave here at any time and I'm going to leave on top. But he didn't do it inexplicably. And, you know, he didn't declassify things. You know, he, he was not able to get to the bottom of Spygate of Russiagate of of you know so many horrible horrible abuses of of, of power and of the national security state that um, that that targeted him and his people and um, you know and and what we got in response was you know when when some of us would say hey he's not doing this he needs to do this now people would say shut up and trust the plan I know it was it's been it has been very frustrating and and any. And I talked about this a lot today. You know, I, I've been talking about this for well for a long time. Any sense that that you have from a lot of the Trump faithful that you e- even I, I tried to liken it to if if you're you know on a on a sports team and you go into the huddle at halftime when you say hey guys you know we got to get it to players out on the wing or you know we we got to get our receivers you know free on, on when they're running their patterns by doing the following that doesn't make you. Uh, a traitor <laughs> that makes you somebody who wants your team to win. And right, there, right, there right. has, this has been one of the features, unfortunately of with all the good. And you started out with this and I agree, there was a lot of really successful stuff from the Trump presidency, but one of the, the weaknesses that was really built into this from the beginning was you're not allowed to, from within the team, 
criticized to help make the team better. It was always you're a you know, it always went to you're a never Trumper. And it's like saying that that Scaramucci is a bad choice for the White House uh, (laughs) communications director doesn't make you a never Trumper. It makes you somebody who sees reality. Right. Yeah, and you can go you can go down the line. It was it's it's such a great example you use of the um, of the team, you know, because the answer from a lot of these folks, especially from the Lynn Woods and the QAnon folks, was, "Hey, don't bother yourselves with a strategy. Trust in God, and you know, sort of close your eyes, trust the plan, and uh, and on January twentieth he'll be sworn in again." Well, that's a recipe for failure. It's not, you know, if you have no way of getting there, then that's a recipe for failure and it's a recipe for, for inaction. And that's the thing, you know, when you tell people that, that, the, um, that the republic is over because they stole an election, there will never be another fair election and, and you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera, combined with, together with, um, uh, you know, no real path forward. That's when you get. I mean, that's when you confuse your people, and you do, and you actually demoralize them. You may fire them up momentarily, but you end up dispiriting them and having them check out of the whole process. Because the rational thing to do would be to say, "Oh well, if everything is so screwed, then what are we doing here? I'm just going to go back. I'm going to live my life, and and I'm I'm going to go back to, uh, you know, hanging out with my family and uh, and, and watching sports." And the lack, and, uh, by the way, your, your point about yeah. the lack of, we're speaking to David Reboy, he's a conservative commentator and national security analyst um, and and a jazz aficionado, by the way. One day, David, we've got to have you on. You can, exp- like, you can explain your love of jazz and how we need to bring jazz back as a broader thing in this country. But, but for I now, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But for now, I, I, I just want to say uh, the, I, I saw this plan unfolding back over the summer. Where remember when there was that whole conspiracy about Trump was attacking the post office, right? Trump, right. Trump is defunding the post office. What that was, the Democrats and the anyone you speak to who's a Democrat strategist, activist, you know, the kind of, uh, uh, you know, a- agents of the DNC, so to speak, that are out there. They have wanted a massive expansion of mail in balloting. And that's not just the ability to mail in ballots. It's, you know, earlier mail in ballots. It's delayed mail in ballots. It's drop boxes. It's no signature matches. To say mail in balloting is just the that's the the umbrella term for all these other things that go into it that, of course, make fraud easier. And then, of course, and and they did that whole Trump is defunding the post, which was crazy. It wasn't even true, but it was their way of saying you don't get, you know, Anything that you try to do that the RNC tries to do or the Republican, uh, the Trump campaign tries to do to start to litigate these issues and problems will be will be shouted down in the media as, oh, look what they're doing. They're 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 you know, doing voter suppression and they're attacking the post office. They knew how this would benefit them. And our side, the, the Republican establishment was outmaneuvered on this and we need because we need to stop it for the next time and that we need to be honest about that sure you're you're completely right and we are and i mean we've been outmaneuvered on voter id for 20 years um in 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 these in these places you know and you 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 know you get a left-wing judge that throws it out and then and then you're you're, you know you're sort of fighting uh, piecemeal in in the courts state by state which is really how they cheated um, as, as you said, you know, they're, they're, the, the evidence of fraud 
was throughout the summer when they were running that play that you just described and also going from state to state to make sure that he can't match um, uh, votes with, with signatures. Um, you know, I mean, that's to me, that's evidence of fraud, um, you know, or the, the intent to, to commit it anyway. Um, but look, a lot of people on, on our side will come back and they'll say, well, see, you know, what you just described, the Democrats, they don't care. They just lie. And if we just lie, we can win just like the Democrats. And I mean, it's not that I it's not that I have such a big problem with 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 lying, but I have a big problem with doing things this things that don't work. I, I mean, in order to buy into that sort of uh, you know strategy or tactic, you would have to say that the left and right have um, you know are mirrors of one another. They have equal power and and uh, and and things like that. Unfortunately, we we don't have the the media. We don't have the ability to come up with a lie and then flood the zone from from Nancy Pelosi all the way down to, um, you know, to superintendent at the, you know, at the at the Philadelphia, um, uh, you know, just some random uh, dog catcher um, Democrat. Uh, we don't have the ability to do that, and so the the tactics and strategies that are available to them, unfortunately, are not available to us. So what ends up happening is you have Russiagate on one hand, which is promulgated by, you know, the the CIA director, the president, you know, the the, the ex president, everyone in in the establishment on down, government, FBI, CIA, NSA, the whole thing. Um, and then on the other hand, when we have a sort of similar kind of hoax craziness like QAnon, it bubbles up from the bottom. And it bubbles up from the bottom and is sort of not unable um, – it's, it's unable to be controlled. And it's sort of different in, in, in nature, even though you know, both things are, are absurd con, you know, conspiracy theory nonsense things. They both have kind of different characters. We've only got about and, a minute, David, but I just want to know, yeah. what, what is your give – me, give me the case, the case for limited but realistic optimism right now. I think I think there's a lot to be optimistic about, frankly. Um, as as soon as we as soon as we abandon the idea that we need to keep this game going, in terms of you know we need to care very much about what goes on in Washington, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, and we sort of check out on the national level and focus really sharply on the local level and also on the sort of for-profit level, build businesses, whatever you do, your listeners. You are all in business doing something. You're serving, um, you're serving a variety of, of, of customers. You're selling things. You're, 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 you're uh, you know, you're participating in the economy. Okay, figure out how to take what you're doing and apply it to the political war that we're in. Sell to right wingers. Sell to people who are conservatives. Create a new product to 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 address this particular market. Um, there's going to be a massive uh, opening now f- to create an alternate economy that will service the you know 73 million plus people who voted for Trump and uh, and you know really who who hate the left and who uh, who don't want to patronize BLM supporting critical race theory supporting Antifa supporting um, you know kind of Democrat economy. Yeah, it's time for us to take take back as much control of this as as we can. 
and start establishing our own our own platforms, our own culture, do these things as conservatives. All right, David Reboy, everybody. David, always appreciate your insight, my friend. Thanks so much. Thank you. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Platforms. We need more places where conservatives are safe to be conservative. And I've been saying this. I'm so uh, happy and, and honestly proud that Dan Bongino is leading the charge on this. So interesting. I remember when I called for platforms, uh, some conservative Rush Limbaugh, the great Rush Limbaugh, said he's absolutely right. Read it all on his show. And I said, come on, guys, we got to do this. There was at least one radio host who took it as an opportunity to trash me because that's a bad idea. For, I don't know. The guy's he's got problems. Um, nobody that any of you particularly like. So it doesn't matter. It's not not Rush, Glenn or Sean. Uh, but anyway, I, I I was right. And now everyone's seeing it. And now we got to do it. Now we got to build those platforms. And I'm on Rumble. I'm on Parler. I'm talking to people about starting websites. I'm talking to people about building out and get and it's not remember it's not just the platform it's the advertisers it's the ecosystem we need people that run businesses that are that that share conservative values to advertise on conservative programs and that's why i love our sponsors because they're great products but they're also these are really good people who stand with this show and what i'm saying on this show they're not they're not scared of oh the libs and the leftists are going to send an angry email right they are American patriot businessmen and businesswomen. And, you know, for those of you listening, you know, you want it. You want to be in this fight. You want to win the future. This is how we do it. More platforms, more advertisers. And that's just for media. I'm talking about now, but it's more businesses. Corporate America across the, the big corporations are woke. They are left. We have seeded them. We need companies to say either we're going to we're going to be apolitical. That's a start. I mean, it's not great. Or to say we have, you know, conservative American values. We believe in, you know, God, country and family. All right. And, and we're going to support that as as a as a Fortune 500 company. We need that, friends. We need to win that part of the corporate and culture war. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Like soft butter on warm toast. Time to spread some freedom coast to coast. It's time for Roll Call. Roll Call, everybody. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. And, uh... Follow me on the TikTok. Follow me on the gram. Follow me on all these places because we're doing we're doing cool things. We're doing fun things. That's where we are on all this one. Uh, Producer Mark, what was I going to ask you? Did did you really manage to find this uh, this this meme that was just sent to us, or did you did you commission this? Did you pay somebody to make this Uncle Buck graphic that I'm seeing? Here? I swear, this person who you're about to read their roll call message made this themselves and sent it in. <laughs> Oh, man, this one is it's funny because it actually kind of looks like something I would wear except for the hat. I don't wear hats, really. Yeah. But the actual rest of the outfit, it kind of looks like it went, went rummaging through my closet, which is a little uh, a little disconcerting. 
Anyway, uh, Dan writes in, Uncle Buck, Happy New Year. Prior to 2020, I was not very political. My interests are sports and beer. Having followed politics for a year now, it shocks me that as conservatives, we have to worry about the left and people supposedly on our side. The left does not seem to grapple with this. In the sports world, this is pretty much the most despicable form of human scum possible. Just ask producer Mark what happens to players who get caught point shaving or throwing games. It speaks to the character of people we vote into office. I'm utterly disgusted by some of our GOP teammates. I do not have any solutions or suggestions. This was just an observation. Best wishes for continued success in 2021 and beyond. P.S. A little Christmas gift for all the great content. And he sent me a it is my face superimposed on John Candy as Uncle Buck in the uh, beloved cult classic Uncle Buck from the 80s. Can't people start thinking the name Buck is at least the guy from the Horse Whisperer documentary? It's called Buck, the name of the documentary. Can I be compared to that? That guy was cool. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. So obviously Uncle Buck is more uh, resonant. Way bigger movie. So there was a documentary about if you if you type in documentary horse and then Buck, uh, it'll come up. And it's a it's about a guy who trains, uh, you know, who trains uh, problem horses. Um, and and he's he's the horse whisperer, basically. It's follows this guy named uh, Branneman, Buck Branneman who had an abusive childhood and then became phenomenally successful in training horses. He's a real-life horse whisperer, and essentially working with horses was like a, a healing process for He's a cowboy. He's a cowboy. And uh, it's a really good movie, by the way. I'm just going to say this. I wish it was from 2011, directed by Cindy Meal, and it's the real-life horse, horse whisperer named Buck Branneman. And uh, I'm just I wish I wish that would be what people think of a little more than John. Candy. Although, as producer Mark has pointed out, John Candy is technically the uh, protagonist and the hero of Uncle Buck. Yeah. He's and the, the kids good guy. love him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the kids like him. So, you know, I'm actually doing Uncle Buck duties this weekend. I've got my my little nephew, Ryan, little baby Ryan, who is off the charts, adorable. He is getting his baptism and I am the godfather. Oh, the Godfather. I'm going to be standing there at the baptism. You want a favor? All right. You know the whole thing. Yes. Uh, I've seen the movie. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. So thank you very much, Dan, for sending it and sending it in. And and yeah, we do have we have a lot of turncoats on our side. We have a lot of people who are um, not particularly. uh, Not particularly reliable. That's a true thing, unfortunately. So I, I will continue to do everything I can to you know, to, to be a stalwart and, uh, and to fight for our side with everything I've got, even though you sent me this uncle buck meme, which I'm just kidding. It's funny. I do. I do. Um, it is amusing. I enjoy it. Andy buck like you, I spent the better part of my Christmas holiday in Florida and miss it dearly after returning to lockdown, Minnesota shortly after sitting down to a lovely dinner at a restaurant indoors, two gentlemen in their fifties sat at the table next to us After uh, clinking glasses of wine, one said to the other, you know, I've lived in San Francisco for the past 25 years. I've been trying to leave it for the past 10. My wife finally looked at me yesterday and said, we can't live here anymore. We need to move. California, New York, Illinois and big cities can continue their trash policies to their demise. Look, this is real. There's there's a a major migration. It is happening. This is not just something in conservative media or whatever. 
there is a major migration of people occurring that is, they're going away from these very, very blue states to redder and or red states. Um, so that's that's where we're at. You know, producer Mark might be producer Mark uh, from Fort Lauderdale within a relatively short period of time here. So there we have. It. I sure hope Just, so. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale is very nice. Very nice. Got to say. Brett. Buck, ah, we need something good right now that will distract us and allow some time to lick our wounds. We need the Siege of Malta episode, buddy. It's a sad day in the Freedom Hunter for America. Our shields are a little less high today. Brett, my man, you read my mind. I didn't even see this roll call message until now. And we were talking about it before. Yes, we're, we're going to be putting out some, some, uh, some history podcasts. We're going to be giving people some content out there to listen to. So please, if you're listening on one of our wonderful affiliate stations on radio, we have history only podcasts that go in our Buck Sexton show stream. So all just subscribe to the Buck Sexton show and even you listen on radio. Great. But then you'll be able to go into your podcasts and we'll, we'll, we'll you'll see we have the real Dracula. We got the siege of Malta coming up. I'm already deep into the research on uh, Hannibal versus Rome and essentially the second Punic War. Punic being a Greek word, Punicus uh, referring to the Phoenicians because the Carthaginians were of Phoenician, uh, were effectively a Phoenician uh, offshoot, or you know their forebears were the Phoenician people from the Eastern Mediterranean. Anyway, see, so yeah, I'm I'm doing the show. I don't even I haven't released it yet. But one of the most amazing military campaigns in all history. I mean, it, it would be it would it would almost be like uh, you know North Korea invading the U.S. with a ground army. And actually, like, beating us on our own territory for a couple of years before we finally were able to turn it around. I mean, you're just like, what? How could they do this? Now, not really, because North Korea is far smaller and less powerful than us. But I just mean some foreign entity invading the U.S., some external country. This is not, not a civil war invading the U.S. And, and we're the most powerful country in the world. And on our own territory, they beat our best forces and biggest army over and over. Can you imagine that? That's what happened in Rome in 218 B.C., for well, for quite a number of years thereafter. That's when it started. So that's when I... Yes, we will absolutely do history stuff. I also want to do more Team Buck Hangout stuff. That's why we've got the uh, Team Buck Facebook supporters set up because uh, I, I want to be able to bring some people in, actually, and hear their voices uh, in real time. I want to do more Instagram Hangouts. We got plans. We got plans. Uh, you guys see me. I'm putting stuff on TikTok. TikTok, don't stop. You know what I mean? Isn't that what it is? Yeah, I, uh, it's kind of the words. Yeah. Do you know, the, do you know who the... sings that song? Um, Kesha with All a right. money sign because I'm cool. Just making sure. Thank you. Lewis. Hey, Lou. Buck, I'm a huge fan listening from Amsterdam. Where? Amsterdam. In the Netherlands. Is that? Oh, Okay, yeah, like V. I, I thought I thought he put in the. Uh, I thought it was like an Amsterdam. You know how there's like uh, <laughs> there's like Oxford, uh, Oxford, Alabama, or Oxford, Georgia. Yes. I forget. Or, you know, I thought he was giving me a state designation after. I was like, is there an Amsterdam? There probably is an Amsterdam in the U.S. Actually, is there? Let, let's 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 fact check that. There's all these. It's probably small. Um. So anyway, from Amsterdam, the the Amsterdam. There's an Amsterdam, New York, but that is not where he is writing. From. That's what I see. It said Amsterdam, and and then I looked, and I was like, wait, and and why? Or no, no, Amsterdam, like the Netherlands. I'm a U.S. citizen living here for 20 years. 
My daughter has a chance to attend Fordham Law School for one year through an exchange program at the University of Amsterdam. With that said, and knowing your NYC background, can you tell me how crazy it is with the rising crime in NYC? I'm very concerned. Thanks. Uh, so, Lewis, first of all, Amsterdam, that sounds great, man. I've heard I have a, a very good friend of mine who actually lives full time in, in Amsterdam. Um, so that's a real thing. And, and I, I and she loves it. She absolutely loves it. Uh, she's been living there for years for Fordham Law School. My sister is a graduate. My little sister, who's the most wonderful little sister ever. She is a graduate of Fordham Law School, and uh, she she liked it. Um, as for New York City, from a safety perspective, eh, look, it's getting worse here, but it's still pretty safe. It, the The violent crime is in certain areas of the city that are not near the For- Fordham Law School is right in Midtown. Fordham Law School is actually very close to where I live. So I can tell you that if she goes to Fordham Law School, she'll be safe there. But there's definitely a really you feel the increase in the quality of life stuff here, the quality of life crimes. The so-called squeegee men are back and they come and they smear stuff on your windshield. and They demand money. There's a lot more. There's public urination. There's open air, uh, broad daylight drug usage. There's a lot of uh, aggressive homeless and and vagrants uh, going around the city uh, panhandling, but not in a nice way, you know, kind of demanding money. I mean, that. That is all on the rise here, but I have to tell you, New York is still, and the numbers bear this out, New York is still a safe, large city overall. It's actually a lot safer than other cities that you don't think of as being necessarily high crime. I mean, New York, for example, is much safer than Washington, D.C., I'll tell you that. Uh, New York is safer, uh, having lived in both places, safer than uh, New Orleans by the numbers, certainly safer than Chicago. I mean, so, so I would not... I would not avoid New York City for school purposes, for safety reasons, for political reasons. That's a whole other thing. And I'll tell you, Fordham Law School is very liberal. Fordham Law School is a very liberal. All law schools now. Law schools have become indoctrination factories for the left. That has really been happening. That's a very real phenomenon. So so be aware of that, that your your daughter is almost certainly going to get a they're going to attempt to brainwash her into making her a not just a lawyer, but a progressive activist lawyer. I mean, Fordham Law School during the BLM thing was sending out you know notices that are essentially all in line with BLM, you know, and how the cops are the bad guys. I'm saying you're you're creating future prosecutors and judges here and, and the cops are the bad guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a real thing. And it's true at Harvard Law School, Yale Law School, you know, find it. But Fordham is a very reputable place. And my little sister's done well. She's got a great job coming out of there. So and I, look, I love New York. I, I just I just wish it wasn't being ruined by libs, you know, it, and it is. So that's where I am on that. Michael Shields High, advance forward, Buck. I feel Trump failed big time in his promise to drain the swamp. Though Trump failed in his goal, he certainly got the swamp and all of its creatures to expose themselves as well, the interrelationship of their motives and personal gratifications. I predict that Trump and his family will continue to be leaders for this country, and unlike what happened with the Tea Party movement, instead of doing what they want and going away, we all seem to continue the fight and offer our support to others on a personal level to make sure that money remains with a just cause. Uh... You know, Michael, I'm I'm wondering, I'm kind of curious to see what the appetite is for this audience to have that, 
you know, I, I don't want to do it too soon, right? I, I don't want to get into what need what what we need to continue the work on and and where Trump did not hit the mark right now. Uh, we're we're processing right now, and I, I've done a little bit of that, but I, I don't want to dive too deep into it. But we are going to need to do that, and we need to understand. Look, we have a president here who didn't get didn't get a second term. We have to look at why. Okay, it's very tough to beat an incumbent president. That is what has happened. Why did that happen? In every sense, from election fraud all the way down to Trump promises and and what policies were instituted and everything else. So, Michael, that's going to be something we do here on the show. And and I, I do think that the Trump family is going to continue to be a prominent voice in our politics. But uh, we'll see how prominent going forward. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Buck, I turned on Tucker last night just in time to catch you. Great job. Now I want to make the point that even if we would have won those two Senate seats, that there are enough rhinos in the Senate that would have allowed the Democrats to get a lot of their agenda through, even with the GOP majority. Just the same way the majority House in 2017 and 2018 allowed the minority Democrats to control so much, while it would have been nice to have a GOP majority leadership, it would have only gone so far. Best case scenario, uh, we would have just again been putting off the inevitable. It was only a matter of time before the Democrats took full control of the federal government again. Well, John, first of all, thank you for the kind words about my Tucker appearance. appearance and it was very nice that... Uh, you know, Tucker's show on a on such a big news night to, to put me on as one of their first three or four guests. Um, it's it, I, I really appreciate that Tucker's show holds me in that kind of regard. And, and I think that I said exactly what I needed to say last night. You know, people can agree or disagree, but I was putting it all out there. As for what would have happened if we had a GOP majority in the Senate, maybe. I don't know they would have broken with the GOP. I mean, you're talking about like Collins and, uh, you know, some of these weak, weak Republican types. You know, I, would, would they have broken with the GOP on some of these core issues? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't think I don't think so. But, yeah, they, they would have. You can't count on them for the really tough stuff. That's for sure. Uh, but at least we would have had a real clear block. I mean, friends, we're. You know, shields high, hold the line. This is what I'm always saying. We're going to have to do that now going forward. I mean, they're going to try to they're going to get very the Democrats, the left are going to get very aggressive with policies that are absolutely we, we, we obstinately oppose. And, and we with everything we've got want to prevent from becoming a reality. Adam Buck, now that cheating is uh, Buck, now that cheating is the norm. Why bother showing up at all? It's only going to lead to us being put in re-education camps. Dark times ahead, as always, Shields High. Adam, we fight because it's the right thing to do. We fight for our honor, for our country, for our families, for ourselves. And we will continue to stand for what we believe in and who we are. And that doesn't change just because uh, we, have been, we have been handed a, a, a rough series of losses here. That's where we are. But I'm with you on this one. We will get we will get through this together. There are better times ahead. There are victories ahead. There are um, there are promising days that we, we just have to get there. All right. Stick with me, team. We'll do it together. I'm honored by the fact that you're with me to this point and honored you'll be with me going forward. And I'm there with you shoulder to shoulder. Shields high.